it does it does work sweep it under the carpet don't hold those grudges i mean you can hold them but don't activate them dude sweep it under it move on and and it'll it'll it will be fine it actually will be fine hi this is lowell tolhurst co-founder of the cure this is budgie co-founder of the creatures drummer with the slits and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we, we drew, drew the map. map. Oh, hands up, hands up all those people who loved Peter and Courtney from Dandy Warhols. Wasn't it amazing? It was pretty fantastic i got both hands up in awe me too but also in 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 respect as well because um they were so kind they were so generous and we want to hear more oh yeah because we got part two now so thinking about some psychedelic kind of thought processes what were your influences in that particular realm as as you grew up because i mean i can pinpoint a lot a lot of uh as, I mean, I always used to say to people when they would ask us what kind of band we were when we started The Cure, you know, and I'd say, well, we're kind of like a psychedelic punk band because that was really the truth. We we listened to a lot of psychedelic music. You know, I, I grew up with a picture of Hendrix on my wall, you know, so the whole thing was, was from that, but we couldn't play that when we started, you know, so, so punk was the thing that gave us the impetus to start. What were your what were your first psychedelic records? Well, I Pink Floyd, I guess. I mean, that's my dad played Pink Floyd records when I was growing up. That's like my oh, first okay. musical. Like, yeah, because for me, the Sid Barrett, hearing that single Arnold Lane, and then um, right, you know, Lucifer Sam, and then getting into those whole the the records. What they did they did two with Sid. Think so. And so that was, and then that was also about the same time that I heard um, Satanic Majesties. Right. You know, I heard 2000 Light Years, and yeah. that kind of got me to that record. And that was, um, but that, what it led me to believe was that uh, very Englishy, almost posh chord changes that have a backwards feel to them. And Sid right. Barrett was probably the greatest ever in history at doing that, at really making chord changes feel like mm. you're listening to a whole song backwards. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, I, I grew up, I learned all, almost all of my recording and producing chops came from having uh, cassette four tracks since I was a teenager, right? And I so I'd record right. in my room, and and you listen to them backwards a lot, you know, and you turn over and you play stuff backwards because you can, it's yeah. easy with a cassette four track. Um, and I noticed that I could never come up with these chord changes that were so much cooler backwards and less predictable than they were forwards. And then I heard uh, Arnold Lane, right? That is a lot of backward sounding chord changes and melodies and things going over it. And that's what I, I believed psychedelic was, was just, just the fundamental, trippy, inherently uh, tweaking to your, to your, your interpretation of, of, of what See, it is. It's interesting because 
I talked to a lot of uh, American bands and their psychedelic influences are English bands. To For us, you know, we had that as well. But we also had, I remember, sneaking into Robert's brother's bedroom, the, the guru, and we would get um, um, Captain Beefheart, you know, Troutmouse Replica. And that was like something that was very strong, you know, for me to listen to that, you know. Hippie, hippie music. Yeah. yeah, that that seemed more to me just like pot music, not LSD music. Right. You know. Right. Even, I mean, yeah. I, for, even though I'm sure they did more acid that you could shake a stick at. Very but, likely, yes. Yeah. yeah. But it, I remember it just the earthiness. Man, it might have been the production. It was so I, dirty and, and organic. I was opposed to pretty much everything that was even slightly associated with the Grateful Dead. Or that era, it was just like that was I. I couldn't even go there. Yeah, I was never into the Grateful Dead. I have to admit, Peter and I kind of both were kids that went straight from ACDC to Planet Earth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we went yeah. straight from ACDC to New Wave. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a strange trip, guys. That's a- <laughs> Have any of you gone into the YouTubes and dug up the wire and Elastica where it's like, here's the wire song. Now here's the Elastica song. Here's the other, here's another wire song. Here's another Elastica song. Yeah. And it's, and, and it, it, it is shocking. I mean, it, I, what is that? I I guess I should, I, I, I use the word rapacious a lot, but that is an aggressive move to just, go into a record and go, well, we're going to make a song like exactly like this, except yeah. I wish they did this instead to it here. And then I'm going to, we're going to go here instead, but it, it's a, it's kind of a great idea really. Yeah. You know, something struck me about that, that just Justine in Elastica was going out with Brett Anderson from Suede. And I was thinking right. when I was listening to Colin Newman singing in wire, I'm thinking yeah. would, would Brett have sang, with as much kind of Cockney cynicism almost. It's not because Colin's not Cockney, but it's that kind of vocal approach. It's a bit storytelling, but it's a bit whiny. It's very stylized. And Suede came, again, very um, uh, attitude, strong attitude, uh, flamboyant. We're a kind of anti-rock band, but that influences of Wire and Deep. You know, it's it's definitely it's funny because because you know we played with Wire in the early days, and and I know that you know we were impressed with them and stuff, and we had some you know some pivotal moments that we probably you know eh, it's not that far from what they were doing. Fast forward thirty years, I went to see them, and I bought their latest album because I thought I'd better you know find one. And now they sound like a later stage cure which is you know it's kind of strange to me that it all goes round full circle yeah you know? I, I wanted to say that i heard i saw a, a performance you did recently it must have been the first after lockdown at paris olympia okay oh how was it how were we well the sound with the sound wasn't great it was recorded from up in the audience gods somewhere what was apparent was the lighting and your 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 presence 
And that thing you just talked about, the thing you just talked about was like that that feeling of the chord shapes and 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 that was that was there it was present but it's more like if i walk into a gig there's a feeling and a sound that's that's very evident and my, i suppose my question would be do you think you have to keep on constantly looking for changing pressing yourself into some place you you, know, you haven't been before but do you do you have to keep reinventing the wheel you know talk about your your process I suppose a little bit we absolutely we absolutely yeah. have to be yeah. we have to be I think I know for Peter and I we have to be utterly afraid that we're totally wrong <laughs> or it's not done it's not good enough unless we're scared yeah going back and forth between this is genius or this is the worst thing ever yeah we we just blew it that's that, for me I, I we just got there with our new record and it's yeah. it's like is this totally wrong or is this totally right I can't I can't tell anymore and it's you will find out we love it I, and then you know to just smoke copious amounts of grass and then be able to play a song over and not be able to stop like 15th time in a row I still can't stop playing this thing and that's that's a good that's something uh, Springsteen said he likes to listen to a song about 30 yeah. times in the car and if right. he even once doesn't like it in that 30 times mix isn't right i yeah, i always yeah. found that the the point where we'd finished recording and we'd mixed and everything done and then out of nowhere i heard one of the songs if it took me 10 seconds or so to realize that this was us then it was good because I'd, I'd dissociated myself from the thing I'd heard it and thought, oh, this sounds good. What's this? Oh, it's us. Yeah, right. exactly. I, that happened to me with a song called Doves. I went in, we were, we were in Joshua Tree. I went into the bathroom and, and I immediately got that jealous feeling <laughs> of what, what was on the, what was playing coming through the speakers, you know, and I was, I got that. <laughs> I love that. You know, like God, I wonder if our record is this cool. When it, you know, I mean, and then I just went, "Oh my God, it's Doves! Yes, <laughs> yes! Wow, yeah. no way!" You have to be, you have to be vulnerable as a musician to understand how to, to move forward and, and how it impacts every part of your life. I mean, most of us, we start playing because we're sort of maladjusted to normal life, whatever that might be. And, and we're socially awkward and we don't really know how to relate to a lot of people, but the music we can relate to and that makes it work for us. And then out of that comes all the rest of it. Makes you feel cool. Makes you feel better about yourself. But it also offers you a dream of acceptance. Yes. You know, it, it offers, it, it has this, which is totally whack. Um, you definitely, the people that accept you because you are a successful band or whatever are generally the people that misinterpret who you are. Mm -hmm. So that's a whack idea. But But when you're young, it doesn't matter. It just... For me, it definitely offered 
me that there is it promised a world where everyone understands each other and everyone is really bright and artsy and cool. And that's why, I mean, that's why Pete and I started this band. We weren't, we didn't, we'd never done this before. You know, I was a drummer and he was a painter, but we, we had to, we had to do this because uh, I was in music college and he moved back to Portland and he said, all your friends have horrible taste in music. They might be great musicians, but who cares? Yeah. They have terrible taste in music. And so the parties we went to, you know, they're playing stupid, like hair, when hair metal meant classical music. A lot of that going on. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. got it now. Okay, so, you know, he just said, you know, can we just meet, let's put a band together of my songs that I was doing on my cassette four track still, uh, so we can meet people that listen to T-Rex. I knew that with doing the band, eventually the people that came to see us, uh, and, you know, I would be able to relate to a lot of them and in the way that they related to us. And it wasn't, you know, yes, there's that, that portion that are just there because, oh, they've heard that you're, you know, this good band and that you're on the radio and they, they should go and see you. Um, but there's also a portion of people who were, were like us, who were never going to find... Uh, way out unless they connected with other people like themselves i one thing i always admired about robert and i'm sure he still does it today is he would always make time after a show to go and, and hang just with you know some of the people that came to see the show you know even if it's just briefly because they're the important people they're the people that put you where you are and and have kept the cure going for 40 years you know yeah we used to be able to just walk off the front of the stage sit down on the front of the stage <laughs> and right. you know St. Andrews Hall right. and after yeah. the show and go hey do you guys know each other you know point to two little clusters of people in the crowd and you know in the front they're just hanging out after the show you know after you've walked off stage walk back on and sit down there and go uh, what when do bars close you guys you guys drive can we get let's go you know, yeah. we, and we did that a lot. And then we got out exactly the time that Robert told me, this is about to become very lonely and depressing for you. It did. Right. We couldn't James, do that because yeah. there's only tweakers. Because right. yeah. people that are attracted to your show because it's supposed you're supposed to go and, and it's it's famous. Yeah. Um, and those are the people waiting outside uh, back between the back doors and the tour bus. So you have to get ushered like no pictures no pictures you know the full yeah. clown roadie right. but yeah. you have to have that and it's real and it's it's really yeah. it's it's necessary because you look at the tweakers like oh, yeah, call me. Yeah. when i when i joined uh, susan the banshees we would leave the liverpool empire and there was all the police outside and there was fans and we literally like like the jackson right. five or something or the osmonds all pushed into the back of a van yeah. the doors were closed and off we were driven soaking wet fast forward yeah. to the creatures where the creatures just me and susie and we could play like palookaville in the down in san diego i think it is and just walk off the stage and go to the bar and just hang out and it was really nice The, that promise of being accepted and meeting people that are like-minded, it 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 ended up being uh, mostly uh, other bands that right. that are the kind of bands that would be on the same bill with you. Yeah, 
you know so um we definitely got to meet really amazing some of the best friends of our lives were mm. were in those days and we did understand each other and we did just get so excited and hang out together all the time and we were young we had you know we'd have like three part-time jobs totaling about 21 hours a week of work and rent we were each paying i don't know 185 each to split an apartment i mean it was life was really amazing for artists young artists in portland back then so we we did get that satisfying community that that uh, mtv promised us I, I i i read or heard that you basically when the first um, loads of louds of money came in you did a really sensible thing and got your own setup, your own space. About a quarter of a city block. In in, uh, in Germany, uh, Cannes did the same thing. They had outside studios. Yeah. So, so they would just go there every day and get stoned and whatever and hang out and then yeah. start yeah. editing, editing the, 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 you know, the, the multi-track or eight-track or whatever it was they were using. Is it, I mean, this, are you still working that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have yeah. we have our yeah. own, own place. I I do a I do a bunch of recording here, but I mean, this most of this last record was was done at our our studio. Um, yeah, it's. I the mean, there's few, a yeah, there's a the management offices in the front corner, about six hundred and fifty square feet, have been turned into a wine bar that's nice. open to the public, and that pays for uh, the utilities and the taxes for the entire quarter of a city block, which I paid off in cash, you know? Yeah. Wow. So we've got, um, you know, basically 10,000, 11,000 square feet of Roman columns and human sized chessboard and floor to ceiling, wall to wall, you know, color, color blocks of hardbound books, you know, thousands and a 14 foot, dining room table and an industrial kitchen that's lit with amber and white spotlights and is all you know old wood or stainless walls and it's it's just over designed like because my friends and i uh who are old school portland musicians all had to learn how to plumb sheetrock frame we pull electric, pull conduit, wire, da 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 da. So, you know, the guy who owned our in, our first indie label did all the wiring and all the electrical. And the singer in my band, my last band as a drummer, you know, built the the bookshelves and the Roman columns and pulled walls <laughs> out. You know, and it was wow. it was you know the singer from King Black Acid was also a great craftsman that he did a lot of the work you're 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 describing like a kind of uh it's a dream world you've created though it's like it sounds like a, sure. it could be a film set you could shoot your videos there i mean i thought the videos you yeah, shot you what i loved about them was the uh one foot is it called uh god 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 held or god godless godless god godless i, I it's just a beautiful video i just loved it uh, just, thank you just the the atmosphere of it. I don't know who who directed it or who shot it. I, I direct. I direct everything, and generally just try to find the best cinematographer I possibly can. And then, um, except for the David LaChapelle, 
Okay. Um, which I I only edited, and he and I kind of came up with the ideas together. But well, that's 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 a beautiful like a linear video where you kind of come off stage at the instrumental break, and then you wander around. It looks like a dressing room. You you've got the pick in your mouth. I, I remember it all. And then there's something going on in a slit at the one side, and these two people either look like they're doing something really bad. Or they're doing a giving a tattoo or something, and I'm so distracted. Then suddenly you're putting your coat back on, you got the pick back in your mouth, you walk back to the stage and carry on with the song. And I'm thinking, is this about the video or is it about the song? And I think that when it when it merges like that and the inseparable. By the way, that was Pete's wife and her ex boyfriend pretending to chop out lines on the toilet paper dispenser of the bathroom. Ah, See, I was I wasn't far off, I, and I didn't rewind either. I didn't. I, I, let me just check out what they were doing though. It, just lovely, right down yeah. <laughs> to the barman giving the drink, poking the. The, the, the young lady and saying here's your drink she picks it up she walks off to the table she is totally beholden to you it, it, did, did she end up in your life or is she in your life or no uh-uh. that was almost in Pete's life actually that, I was obsessed with that girl right. yeah, she was what a beauty demure and intelligent and yeah. stylish wow she was she was stellar too too stylish for us. It's like a type of face you see on a train, and you're riding on a long train journey, and you see a face, and you, and and by the time you're getting off, you think, oh, I should have said something, but you know it's probably better yeah. if you didn't. <laughs> yeah, Pro- probably best you didn't. It's yeah. like the double life of Veronique or something like that. You know? <laughs> So here's a question for, for you guys. It's like this whole thing in America where you were allowed to grow up, uh, you know, in a town where, where you had some facilities and things and, you know, you could grab yourself a spare warehouse and do something there. You can make something happen. And now everything's on the internet and everything's done that way and, and nobody makes any money making records anymore or anything. So how, how does that change how you operate and how you do things? Okay, in uh, in the cartoon world where the Roadrunner is speeding across a rope and wood bridge and it is burning down behind him, and and Roadrunner is you know, and, and it's just burning. That feels exactly like our career. So our trip hasn't <laughs> changed very much, um, just right. because we got to a level, we got to the other side before the bridge was gone. Right. But it's a very good analogy. I like that. Yeah. I like it too. Me beep. <laughs> Remember that, kids. Get to the other side before the bridge burns down behind you. Yeah. That's an old recurring childhood dream. Yeah. yeah. We were, um, you know, all of uh, the four of us that are sitting here chatting right now are, are very fortunate that we have that thing called MTV. It made what we do for a living as important as what Bill Clinton did for a living or Michael Jordan or, you know, right. winning this Stanley cup or whatever it was, yeah. it was up there with everything. And boy, we moaned and bitched and complained about it, but really we were incredibly fortunate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also Absolutely. the wild, the wild times, the amount of 
you know, drugs, sex, and rock and roll. The nudity just doesn't happen anymore. Um, it it's, doesn't? So, it's just wild how with no cell phone cameras, no nothing back in the right. day, it was bad behavior game on all the time, it seems. In my memory, it was. It was phenomenal. At one point, uh, we had an apartment building with 12 apartments, and 11 of them were occupied by us and our friends. We called it Rock, rock Dorm. Then we went in as partners to the homeless bar that only had like two bums sitting at the bar drinking dollar pints of PBR uh, <laughs> every, every other day. We went in a partnership, and that was a line to get in by we, by the time we had had that place for seven, eight months. And so it was fully gnarly debauchery um, right. and really stylish. And, you know, we were on MTV a lot of the time, and it was like that can't exist anymore, you know, with just the kind of just bad behavior. It was awesome, dude. Because. Uh, some bugger is going to be behind you with a cell phone filming everything and no one will do it anymore no one will no one's having sex in the hall you know it's just not happening anymore so yeah it's it's uh yeah it's a different world i mean we came from a really amazing time and place we are the relics of it now and also it's like so much so so much longer to happen so it's like you had time to develop into something yes yes very very good point you know right you got to spend more time in the coffee shop now before you actually do anything or else you're gonna blow it yeah with your 15 minutes uh three words peter or courtney three words the strip club janitor (laughs) oh that's there you go strip club janitor I told you. Of course it is. Yeah. And and what I was going to add was the three words that uh, you could ascribe to your longevity. Yes. Strip club janitor, man. <laughs> Acute Only loss of hearing. hearing. <laughs> loss of hearing. <laughs> so, I don't know. What do you think, Pete? Uh, no, no backup plan. <laughs> no, no. No other occupation. Well, I, I can tell you. I can tell you why, and it's because um, the zero leadership paradigm. Whoa! There is no leadership going on in this band. If I have a problem with Peter, I have to find someone else in the band to talk to him. If he has a problem with me, he has to find someone else in the band to talk to him because he's going to get too irate and un- unable to face it. If I need to, if I have a problem, you know. Da, 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 and we do this. Zia has a problem with Brent. She goes to me, you know, and it's like, and that, that, that no leader paradigm is amazing. And also sweep it under the carpet. Okay. There's a lot of stuff under the carpet. There is so much. And you just walk over that carpet and you keep walking and it just gets flattened out. And then you don't even notice the lumps. There are no lumps. They get flattened out into just dust. Everybody's got carpet to sweep under. Absolutely, and I had a I had a breakfast with one of the leading brain chemists of Earth, this guy Carl something, yeah. um, years ago, and I was explaining this to him, and he's just give look, it's got this skeptical look, and he's like, you're you're talking about something that really has failed every time in this world, and that is communism. Yeah, there <laughs> is no communist country, there is no right. successful communism, and never has been anywhere and he he says 
you are describing exactly fundamentally what's supposed to happen. I said, well, yeah. And he's like, and you guys have been together for 15 years now. And I said, yeah. He said, that's a yeah. remarkable. Well, now it's another 15 years almost later. And yeah. we're still, you know, right. so it right. does, it does work. Sweep it under the carpet. Don't hold those grudges. I mean, you can hold them, but don't activate them just because yeah. something else that Zia did is pissing me off now or <laughs> is embarrassing right. me or what, you know what I mean? Or I said this or that doesn't matter, dude, sweep it under it, move on. And, and it'll, yeah. it'll, it will be fine. It actually will be fine. Yeah. That's, that's absolute wisdom right there. Me and Budgie came to that point after about 40 years. And then we finally, you know, we we got back together. We kind of knew each other for a long time, and then we got back together, and we realised well, we we've, we've we've swept everything under the carpet. Everything's happened to us, and and if it hasn't happened to me, it's happened to him. So you know, we just got ourselves a new carpet. That's all it was. Yes, yeah, a new carpet, and it's and it's very nice to walk on barefoot. Yeah, have someone else come in and take the old one away. Don't do it yourself. Because that's going to reveal all that crap under the carpet. Yeah, who wants that crap? Gentle, gentlemen, where are you going next? What's happening next? I mean, we must close yes. with something like that. Yeah, um, Australia. We're, we've got we've got an Australian tour, which is uh, pretty much the last thing that's been cancelled, rescheduled, cancelled, rescheduled. Right. Three yeah. odd right. times. So it's like kind of after that, we're we we're had on. three years of tours bunched into four months now, yeah. and it's wow. brutal. It's 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 actually painful. We just flew to the UK for two shows and back. Wow. And we've never we haven't done that since the nineties. I mean, that's right. like. So it's Worthing. Where was the other one? Worthing and, and where else? It was it was a, a festival in Devon called Beautiful Days. And boy was oh, it oh, ever. It was no great. corporate sponsorships. The oh, backstage yeah. setup had a bazillion antiques, wood rocking chairs, bent wood rock. I yeah. mean, it was genius. It's so comfortable and everyone's so happy and yeah. wonderful. About a twenty thousand people a yeah. day festival. Where, whereabouts in Devon? Because I lived in Devon for seven years before I moved to uh, California. It's, I think it was, I don't know, it was near Exmouth. Um, if, okay. you remember, okay. if you remember a restaurant, if there was a hipster restaurant called the Rusty Pig, it's down the street because that guy... Down the street home. from the Rusty Pig. And I, I, should, I should look it up. In a field out in the middle of nowhere, but said very close to his restaurant. So the food yeah. was spectacular. And right. the dude also makes champagne. Uh, right. So we stayed up Ooh. with a couple other bands and real late. Did I hear you're, you're hooking up with a symphony or some kind of string section? Yeah, um, that's uh, in March. We're, we're going to play with the Oregon Symphony. We've had about an hour and a half worth of songs um, you know, scored for for a right. full symphony, and we're gonna we're gonna Wonderful. Try see see what that's all about. Yeah, it'll be 60, 70 piece or symphonic orchestra, yeah. strings wow. and horns and timpanis and da da da. You know, yeah, yeah. And it's I you know I used to be able to I had to write charts out um, yeah. and score score things. I've never scored anything that big, but the guy that uh, is doing it you know, would take our the songs he wanted to do and take the record version and then put samples and stuff and, and work out all the scoring. So it was really 
it was shocking how cool they were. Yeah. They were not embarrassing. And if there was something embarrassing, my ear hears it. And I, I can you knock it off with the tubas down there doing the, this you're on, you're only starting on the beat with the eighth notes. And that's like having two, it's like a white guy with two feet. It's really right. bad. Please <laughs> listen to tone low. That will tell you what to do with the bottom end things moving. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer Dan Didier. Executive producer Mark Cates. Associate producer Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing Margie Taylor. Art and logo design Justin Thomas K. Music production Jackknife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022.